If you are doubling down on your health this year, like I am, then you need to make your sleep a priority. Sleep is crucial for proper brain function, deep healing, and even weight loss. Sleep is so important that it is the second most thing you can't survive without. Did you know that? With air being number one, that means that you literally would die from lack of sleep before you died from dehydration or starvation. Wild, right? So clearly we've done the studies. Sleep is very important. And sadly, most adults are not getting a quality night's sleep every night, which is leading to many ailments and issues in the body. I want you to start getting a deep and restful night's sleep. And that's why I'm going to give you my deep sleep visualization absolutely free. <laughs> yeah, you heard that right. Absolutely free. I have used this method on thousands of people who have happily reported sleeping deeper, falling asleep more easily and feeling energized the next day. All you're going to do is go to dinettesleep.com to download it so that you can listen to it while you're in bed, ready to fall asleep. And it's going to help you go right into sleep. And it goes right into your inbox, whether you do this and download it onto your phone or download it onto your computer. All you have to go is to Danette, D-A-N-E-T-T-E, sleep, S-L-E-E-P.com to download this absolutely free right to your phone or right into your inbox on your computer. And then you're going to listen to it as you're falling asleep and watch the magic unfold. As a man, I'm not afraid of love and I'm not afraid of being vulnerable and expressing that because that is the only way that I got to where I am, right? And and the only way I'm going to thrive with my own stories if I believe that for myself, that I am loved, that I love myself, that there, and you know, it's like, it's almost like cliche now. Everyone says, oh, you just got to love yourself. Well, if everyone is saying it and everyone is believing it and there's actually factual things that are going on in your body and your DNA and your synapses of like what is happening when people are actually feeling comfortable with loving themselves and okay being okay with themselves you know there is magic that happens there Welcome to Manifestable. I'm your host, Danette May, and each week I will bring you epic guests and live coaching where you can come to receive profound breakthroughs, courage to break old patterns, and live into your soul's purpose. My mission is to remind people of their power and that they have the control to tap into their energy to achieve extraordinary things. Before I introduce today's guest, I'm offering you my proven method to getting a solid, restful night's sleep. And this is through the power of visualization. This is going to be a nice visualization because you can just put this on right before you're going to sleep and you are going to sleep like a baby. So <laughs> with a million things on your mind, more and more people struggle daily with getting quality sleep. And trust me, it's going to make a big difference with your weight goals, your mind goals, just overall balance goals. So go to DanetteSleep.com to get this free deep sleep meditation and you can just download it right onto your phone. Today's guest is Sherard Carr. Now, I met him at an event, an entrepreneurial event. I had no clue what this guy did. I just loved his energy. We laughed like we were old high school friends amongst with some other friends that we met. None of us asked what any of us did Later, I finally decided after the event was over that maybe I should see what he even does. And I found out he's an award-winning storyteller, documentarian, and founder of Human Biology. 
Sherard has documented some of the most influential people in the world, including His Holiness the Dalai Lama, Meryl Streep, Ariana Huffington, Jack and Susie Welch, and many more. He has created content with organizations such as TED, Microsoft, UN Women, the David Lynch Foundation. His latest work, though, is a documentary, The Life, Irene Askew, The DJ Osho, and it won the best documentary globally. You guys, I am so fascinated on him and his ability to manifest. What he's learning by doing documentaries on some of the most affluent people around the globe. What is he discovering about how they manifest, how he manifested them? And we are going to go deep because I think we're all going to learn what is this common denominator in the power of manifesting. I can't wait to get started. If you want to learn more about Sherard, you can find him on Instagram at Sherard's Lunchbox. I know, cute, huh? At Sherard's Lunchbox and his company is Human Biography at humanbiography.com. I can't wait to talk with him. Let's dive in. All right, my friend, I've already done this intro and I just want to get into this question. Who's the most interesting person you've interviewed for your documentaries and why? I've been very lucky to have documented and interviewed some fascinating humans. So there's two parts to my work. So there's the sort of like, few answers. So with all the interviews that I've done, probably the most fascinating to me because of my own dreams of meeting people like this or, or getting to that level and, and me actually never having a dream to actually meet this person. But when it happened, I was like, oh my God, it's a dream come true, was Meryl Streep when I had interviewed Meryl. And because I don't, as a person like, you know, who sort of going through the media world and, and the things I've been doing, I didn't, I never even thought that was a possibility to work with her or to do something with her. So that was fascinating. And there's many stories around that. But the person that I documented didn't interview, but I was around him for a few days was the Dalai Lama, which was uh, quite powerful and probably life-changing because I think that a lot of things that I believe the trajectory of manifestation happened, uh, I was in 2014, right before my 40th birthday. And it was really, really fascinating to even have that opportunity to be around him. Whoa. So what shifted, like when you, when you were there on set and you, cause here's the deal, like you're seeing, there is a whole world of what we would call smoke and mirrors and this front facing world. And then there's a world that we would call behind the curtain. And when you're doing a documentary, you're, you're doing the front facing what they want you to know, but you're also seeing behind the curtains. And I want to know when you were on set with Dalai Lama, why did that shift you? Why do you feel that that shifted you? Well, so, so a few things. We were in a private home, my friend's private home, for about five, six hours with him. And with that five, six hours with him, I was essentially the conduit, the host, to bring him there, to make sure he was there through with his people. We did something very powerful. We had gotten the founder and CEO of TED, TED Talks, Chris Anderson, to come in, fly in, to interview His Holiness. And so that brought them together in, the, in this private space. It was my friend's home, beautiful home. And then after that, His Holiness had some meetings with some private people. And so all the content and footage with a lot of my work is private. Only a few people get to see it. So it's a real, it's a pure documentation for only certain eyes. And a lot of my work, my family documentaries that I do, 
99% of the family ones are private just for the families or the organizations themselves. And then I have a lot of public work. Like I mentioned uh, the work that I did with uh, Meryl Streep. She was part of a campaign that I did for a nonprofit in London called Think Equal. And that was, uh, I mean, it wasn't just Meryl. Like um, it was Meryl Streep, uh, Susan Sarandon, and Helen Mirren. And what a dream to be the person to direct and produce those pieces with them and spend time with them. I think my dream since childhood was to be excellent or to be around excellent people, to be around people who are in their mastery of their work or in their in their lives. And there are people be like, oh, you know, like they're just celebrities, but they're actually more than that. They, they've manifested themselves as well in a lot of beautiful ways. I admire them. And, you know, I, I like to work with people who are the best in their class, you know, the best in their field. And there's no mistaking that I have always wanted to be around those people to learn because, you know, people say, you know, you are who you hang out with or who you work with. And and, and so if you're going to be at work hanging out, you might as well hang out with the best. Why not? You know, I, pe- I think people dream about those things anyways. And so what if I could make them happen? And what if they did happen? So, so back to the Dalai Lama, when I was with him uh, in 2014, a few things happened within those few weeks. <laughs> 2011 to 2013, I did a master's degree. And I did a master's degree based on not even having an undergrad degree. I challenged a master's program. I was, I was very poor academically younger. I was like, not, not poor academic. I wasn't taking courses. There was no like content creation. You know, there was no content like creation, anything. Course. Yeah. There was, there was no, there was nothing. So I was a creative guy that was trying to just figure out his life. And so when I finally graduated with my master's degree, I looked at how I was going to frame my work. I looked at human legacy, what people would know about you privately, your personal sort of lives, your stories before you were to pass away or after you were to pass away, that's sort of one idea. And then digital legacy, what social media people would know or remember about you. And I, I sort of created the phrase social media legacy in my thesis. And I started to Clyde those and, and sort of cross-pollinate those ideas. And I said, okay, what if I was to talk to people about their personal legacy digitally? And what was I was supposed to ask them questions about their lives and put them out there or give it to them as their sort of memoir or, the, or their life? And, and when I did that, I didn't know where it was going to go. I didn't know where it was going to land, but I knew that I loved the idea of it. And so in 2014, the year after I graduated, I was still figuring out a lot of things. I'll back up a little bit. I've been in media since 1996. Okay, so I mean... Okay, so you're not new to media. It's just, yeah. No, I, I, used, I used to host community television here in Canada starting in 1996, just as a volunteer. And I did that up to around 2007. And then somebody introduced, uh, a friend of mine introduced me to the idea of online TV, like, you know, these little blog posts that could be done through video. And he used to tape me interviewing people and, and stuff that was going on in the city that I live in, which is Vancouver, British Columbia. And those videos were going everywhere. People would come to Vancouver like, oh, I saw the, the chef you interviewed at that restaurant. Or I saw that band that you interviewed at that thing or that artist or whatever. And so I, I thought, wow, this is cool. And then I started to do the math and I, I bought a camera myself. I took some editing courses and I just started making content myself in 2007, 2008. And then I thought, this is what I want to do. I want to publish content. And I didn't know that I could make a living out of it till a lot later. But in 2014, somebody told me, you know, you could travel to go do this work. You don't have to just be here in Vancouver and do it. You can take your little camera and do it. And I was like, yeah, I guess I could. And so somebody who I really admired and followed in the media space that I was like, I would, I would love to emulate or, or be like, so I, I was thinking, I always thought, go big, like just, just always go big. I always had that fascination to go big. So Ariana, I got connected to her. And I got invited to come and see her talks 
in New York. She did, was doing these talks at the Time Center where she was doing live public dialogues, which I do a lot of. I do, I do a lot of moderation of dialogue, but she was like with the CEO of Campbell's Soup. She was like with all these fascinating humans on stage. And I was sitting uh, in the audience with her sister and some of her family. So it's kind of it's kind of like, wow, I've been invited by her. And then after I was invited to this green room where she was, and there's all these people, like I can't even tell you how many people were there to, to meet her, hang out with her. And all I remember was her saying, oh, wait, before I get to you, there's this young gentleman who's flown all the way from Vancouver to come interview me. I'm going to just have some time with him. So I went into this room, I interviewed her. It was very quick. It was about seven to 10 minutes max that I had with her, but it was so important to me because I realized that I could reach these people just by going to them or just by asking the question, can I interview you? And that was the beginning of October. So that's, so I, I, my birthday is the end of October, October 26th. And she was uh, my entry at the beginning of October. And that same month, that same month, a few things were happening. And I, I believe in birthdays and manifesting and wishing on birthdays and wishes are another thing I'll tell you about as well. But a few days before my birthday, TEDx Vancouver was happening. So the TED of Vancouver was happening at a sold out Queen Elizabeth theater. And that was the same time I was interviewing the founder of Lululemon, Chip Wilson on stage, who's a mentor and friend of mine. And so I interviewed him on stage there. And that same week, I was also documenting His Holiness the Dalai Lama because he was visiting Vancouver. And for two days, I, I the first day when he arrived, there is a video out there, and maybe I can send that to you, of when he arrived at the Shangri-La Hotel where he was staying, that there was crowds of people outside. And only in the lobby was his security, his one liaison, and me. And outside, there's people just pressed, like pressed against, against the windows. The windows crying and he would just go and walk around and I and I was there next to him and I was like this is the first time I'm actually seeing him physically because he had arrived and I was just arrived to tape whatever was happening at that moment and then host him the next day actually in my friend's apartment up at the penthouse there and so I was bewildered because I was like how did this happen like where why did how did I get here amongst all the other cool things that happened that month and then a few days later, and I can tell you more about that. I turned 40 and my wife gave, and two days later after that, on the 28th of October, my wife gave birth to our, our second child, Nola. And my wife was blessed by the Dalai Lama a few days before she was born. And I have video of that too, which was kind of amazing. Like kind of did a, a little knock prayer on my wife's stomach. And like, I've never seen the Dalai Lama do that with anybody. And so for me, I was like, again, I'm not in the wealth class of the world. I'm not a celebrity. Look, can I ask you a question? Because now you've asked this question. I want to know, because you'll hear in this manifesting world, write down, did you write down Dalai Lama, certain names of people that you wanted to interview? No. no. You just said you would. What was the thing you put out into the universe? Was it, because the only thing you mentioned was you wanted to do the best of the best or really, was that all that you put out? Was it big like that, the best of the best? Or was there something else to that, that filament? Well, I'll say this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be really candid and open and honest and vulnerable here. When I was younger, because I wasn't so academically inclined, I would keep getting compared to people who were doing really well. And they were like, you know, can't you be like that person? Can't you be like that person? And I was like, wow, like, I don't know if I ever can be like that person that, that you're comparing me to or want me to be like, you know, but why am I not just good myself? So I had this complex that if I don't do better than everybody, like literally everybody, that I'm never going to be enough. So my ideas was, okay, if that guy is doing that, I am going to be doing like 10 times more, 
for somebody to say, wow, look at him. Cause nobody ever said that to me growing up. Like, you know, look at him. They were like, can't you be like that person? Can't you be, or maybe that's my own complex. You were well. like, no, I'm going to go 10 steps ahead. And so in the film space and the interviewing space, you're like, I want the best. I want to really interview. That's where you were at. No specific names, just. No, because nobody, I could never have imagined the list of humans that I've documented. I was fortunate enough to interview Elon's mother at the United Nations, Mae Musk, Val Kilmer, Peter Diamandis. The list goes on, like, you know, like I, I sometimes have to go back and see who I've interviewed. And I keep thinking to myself, how is this one person keep getting these opportunities? Why is it coming? And I thought, oh, I can't be that good. I mean, I'm sure there's people that are doing amazing work out there and I love them and I admire them. But something keeps happening to me. And, and I've, I've put myself in this place also as well that I'm in this category. And people know that in, this world, in the world now, like that he interviews superstars. So let's get Shard to do that interview, um, whether it's on stage live in front of people or whether it's behind his lens and his camera. And there's a trust there that's happened with all these fascinating humans that I am holding them as much as I'm holding myself in those moments. And so all I can think of is that I've manifested these moments subconsciously. I've been in prayer since I was a kid. My mom, we grew up in a Hindu household and you know my mom and my, my mom specifically taught me these prayers. And I used I like I think on autopilot when I'm walking around, I say them all the time with a subconscious. What are the prayers about? Like what are they what is the gist of the prayer? One is the Gayatri mantra. Now, I mean, if you ask me to define them right now, I know it starts with Om and I can, you know, I'm writing a book about my manifestations which we spoke about briefly. And I talk about the prayers and I mention the prayers and I actually in, in, in throughout the book that I'm writing, I say the prayer just to sort of like, this is how my life works is that I will every now and then throughout my day, every day say that prayer. And so there's one prayer for like, sort of just bringing in like, like sort of like protecting me or, or, no, or actually saving, like just sort of like bring in happiness or whatever it is. And, and, I, and I, can, I can probably define it more when I actually define it within the book. But then there's this other one. I'm constantly asked where I find the energy to run three businesses and travel the world all while being a wife and a mom of two. And the truth is there are a lot of tools in my belt to manage my energy, but I have to be really real. One of my favorite ones is drinking cacao bliss. Actually, I am drinking it right now. I like doing it when I have to work because it gives me so much energy. It gives me energy without the crash like caffeine does or like coffee, which totally messes up your adrenals. And it actually taps me into my heart, which makes me feel more connected to source and to source energy. It is absolutely game changing for me. And when I discovered the superfood that cacao is, I knew I needed to bring it to the masses so everyone could experience a healthy alternative to energy drinks, supplements, coffee, whatever it is, so that you have access to a healthy, delicious, amazing chocolatey drink. And that is why I created Cacao Bliss. Now, it's not just raw cacao. It is infused with seven additional superfoods. So it's super amazing for immunity. It has this amazing chocolatey decadent taste with only less than one gram of sugar. So that is insane. So if you want to experience the healing powers of Cacao Bliss, for a limited time only, you can go to earthechofoods.com. You can grab yourself a bag, I suggest two, of <laughs> Cacao Bliss by using the code MANIFESTABLE. This is for all of you Manifestable podcast listeners. Go to earthechofoods.com and use the code at checkout, MANIFESTABLE, and you're going to get 15% off your order. Yeah, 
15% off. So go to earthechofoods.com and use Manifestable at checkout and get 15% off. Now let's get back to the show. You know, when somebody sees you and they don't wish well for you, kind of they give you the evil eye, there's a prayer to block that. And I say it when people pass by and see my children sometimes. When uh, someone cuts me off in traffic or I'm, you know, or I'm walking around somewhere and somebody, you know, you can tell automatically, like I am, and, and I mean, I, I, don't, I don't talk about this a lot, but like I interview some of the most well-trained people in a media perspective of all time. Like, you know, they, they, they know how to act around cameras and stuff like that. And yet I also can tell that through their facial gestures, their mannerisms, how they're speaking to me, how they respond on how they're doing and what their tells are. So if you can imagine the average person that doesn't do that, that I'm hanging out with, that doesn't wish well for me, I can tell it right on their face, the tone of their mouth and whatever. And inside I'm doing that prayer, like, please protect me from their thoughts. That's basically an intention. That's basically a prayer of intention of putting a shield around me, which is funny. I tell my kids to do this in the morning. Like I do it with myself, but this is powerful. I actually off the record want to learn this prayer because I'm coaching. I will, you know what? We're, we're meant to see each other again because we met each other a few months ago and I'll sit with you and we'll do that. I can. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel like that's yeah, something absolutely. that would be beneficial. I think, I think we have a lot of work ahead of us together, which is really cool. And I, first of all, I appreciate just you having me here. You know, it's uh, it's one thing for me to do my work and feel like, you know, I'm trying to like, I'm an overachiever. I believe in like, what else is next, right? Like, who can I? And so I, and it's it's something that I want to do something that nobody will ever expect, right? Like, you know, I, I'm back to the Meryl Streep example. When I was interviewing her, when I was going to interview, I couldn't tell anybody, right? I couldn't tell anybody that I was, because it was a, so when I arrived in New York, time right yeah well like we just couldn't tell anybody just because of her own privacy as well safety of who she is and maybe maybe also the people that were you know had brought me on board to direct this thing who is leslie i've from think equal great friend and mentor she also said let's just keep this private till it happens because you never know right like people might want to curse the project or whatever it is you know i i think growing up in an indian household we've heard so much about like people trying to you know, voodoo, anything. So we're, so it's almost like the secondhand nature inside my mind that like, okay, I just don't want to say anything till it happens. Right. And so I remember I go on Instagram and I'd be like, Hey, I'm going to interview somebody interesting today. And you know, this is like fascinating that, that and everyone's like, okay, there's just Sharon's doing another interview because that's all I used to do. And then I showed a seat, a chair where she would have been sitting. I'm like, this chair is going to like have somebody really fast. It's just a little pink chair. And then the next thing you know, I posted a picture of Meryl while she was just reviewing some of the, the notes. And I swear to God, few things happened. People were cheering me on, messaging me. And this is this is right before I'm about to interview her. Messaging me, Instagram's going crazy. Like, what the hell is, like, how did Shards from Vancouver sit there with Meryl Streep? And then the other side happened as well. People that I know you know, I feel very accomplished for even that moment, right? I feel like people couldn't even like look me in the face to say congratulations. And I know who those people are. Another side to it. Yeah, yeah, there's another side to it. Whereas I would have been like, wow, like, like I'm, I'm everyone's biggest fan. And, and I think for a long time, I was hoping maybe I'd have some people cheering me on. And I do, I do like my family, I have some other people, but you start to see who really is there for you and who believes in that. And so when I meet people like yourself and everybody else that we met together, 
they're really cheering you on because they believe that there's enough for everybody. And that not only that is that we are all here to do some work together. You know, it's interesting. I want to, I want to unpack something because, well, you said one thing and all I know is our first encounter, right? So this is you guys, I, I alluded to it a little bit on the intro, but I'm going to, I want to unpack this because I'm also a student in this idea of manifesting. And this is why I'm interviewing such incredible humans like yourself, because I'm, I'm fascinated because you said, I'm, I'm an overachiever. I have high goals. I wanted to prove that I could go 10 steps ahead. These are statements you've said. But when I met you, and I'm wondering if there's something to this, to have this conviction within yourself. But can you, you know, the difference when someone has a conviction of like, I'm going to be the best, I'm going to do this. And then when they're in social settings, or they're out and about, you can sniff it, and it doesn't feel like they want to get to know you, they want to know how you can help them get to that big next thing. And I say this because what I know about you is when we first met, no one knew what anyone did, and we could have cared less. And the energy I got was just sheer fun. There was no ego. There was just laughter and goofiness. And and it wasn't until after the event was over that actually it was Brooke who was with us. It was like, oh, he's pretty cool. And I think we all were like, what, do, what does everybody do? We don't even know. We didn't take time. I was like, I was like, Brooke, you and Jeanette are pretty cool too. And this is awesome that we're, you know, connecting. But what do you think that magic is? Because I think that's the magic you hold. And I want to bring that reflection back to you because I think there's something, there's a filament to this. There could be a filament. I'll go deeper into that that statement and, and sort of and, and sort of see if there's something there from what I what I was thinking is that I've done a lot of work on myself, right? Like, you know, I went from imposter syndrome to acknowledging, very recently only, acknowledging that I have talent, I have something to give to the world, rather than saying, oh, I, like, you know, I've, I've gone on like every other month or day to like say, oh, hopefully somebody comes into my life <laughs> that will help me. Like, I mean, like I, I say that all the time. And I realized that I'm that person, you know, I'm the person that's going to help myself. And so once I got over that idea that I'm, I'm the person that's actually able to do all these things, then I became a little bit more carefree to understand that I am my possibility. I am my manifestation and I'm the one who has the power to keep creating that. And here's another thing along that belief system. When you start saying it, there will be some people subconsciously or consciously that will fall out of your life. Okay. And all it's doing is, is that it's allowing Others that really believe that or feel that or, or manifesting themselves will come into it, right? And they're coming in at the right moments, the right time, with the right emotion and the right energy. And that is what happened when we all met each other. And that is what is happening every time I meet that person that I'm doing my next project with, you know, like I'm doing a few fascinating projects right now that are like pretty bigger than life, but like... Also, it's like, yeah, of course. And I, I, before I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening to me. And now I'm like, yeah, of course it's happening. I've worked really hard for this and I'm manifesting it. It's, it's, I'm in flow, you know, I'm in real flow. And so when we meet each other and when we connect with each other, there are no mistakes about that. There are no mistakes about that. We are all in that field of creation through manifestation and also the belief that we are. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing to say I'm manifesting, but it's other to say, I really believe it. Yes, I am the manifestation. Like I'm the walking manifestation. It's, and there's a calmness to it because all I felt from you was a calmness. All I felt from you was a, I think that's really, really powerful because then it just gives you the freedom to be like, 
who I meet is who I'm meant to meet. I don't need to seek anyone out. I don't need to find out what they do and what you're just like, what energy's being pulled right now? Oh, that's that statement right now. So it's kind of interesting. When I would be in a room, I would call it suit and ties because I walk in sometimes with a baseball cap and a hoodie. And the people that don't know me, they'll be like, okay, whatever, that guy, you know, because they're they're kind of like maybe ignore me. And then the people that do know me, they're like, hey, Sharon, tell me what you're up to. Like, what, what is a project that you're up to? Because we want to know, right? Like, and suddenly I become interesting to people because of that. But like that whole idea of asking people what they do, again, when people used to say like, you know, oh, you know, I'm this, I do this, right? Yeah, like the nine to five, whatever that answer is. And they're like, and, and what is your work? I'm like, oh, you know, I listen to stories. I'm a, I'm a biographer. I make digital content. And, uh, and they're like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. So would there have been anything that, you know, who have you worked with? And then I'm like, I'm like, do I just spill the beans and just like create that list? Or do I just subdue? I'm like, and then I've learned just be like, because I, there's an audience for who would want to hear what I have to say versus somebody who's trying to figure out who I am at their level or at their wherever I belong in their periphery. It'll be discovered in, in like, you know, in conversation like you and I are having versus give me your resume. And if you want me to give you my resume, I mean, I could, I could pour it out and then you'd be like, okay. And then, you know, I've also had people say to me after I've, you know, told them some of the people I work with and then they're like, oh, and they'll see me later. Like I Googled your work and you actually did that. I was like, I was like, I, like I was lying or something. I was like, no, like, you know, like we can find out what anybody does really, if we really wanted to. But again, like what is the human connection? My company is called Human Biography. It's about biographies and, and stories of people. And, you know, like the commonality of everybody is, is that, you know, we all love someone and we will all miss someone. Ooh, we all love someone. We, we will all miss someone. someone. And so my work someone. is about capturing the stories of people while they're here for their loved ones before they're gone. And so we will, we won't, we can miss them maybe a little bit less. And that's why my work has become. Wow. That's so profound. Do you buy into the statement? We're all one. Uh, well, you know, there's some people that I don't want to be one with. And I'll be really honest because their belief systems or their their negativity or something is is not jiving with me. So like I'm one with the people that I that are my people. I feel like, you know, you are you and I are have that oneness together for sure. My family, my partner, my kids, but there are people that I'm not one with. And so I don't believe we all are all one. We we can contribute to one's oneness for sure. But I'm not one with everybody for sure. I have another question for you. So of all these people that you've interviewed, there is a common thread. And I think that common thread would be some form of success for most of the people you've interviewed. And that success, like how humans define success might be monetary. It could be that they had a dream and they got themselves on TV. It might. Yeah. So I want to know, is there a common thread amongst all these individuals or no? Uh, yeah, sure. Other than they're all loving someone and they're all going to miss someone. There's no mistaking that I want to be with world-class best people in their field or whatever it is. But like, what would you say about the Dalai Lama? Is he the best in his field? No, he's a leader. Like he's a, he's a spiritual goat. Like he's the greatest of all time living, right? Like even if you weren't Buddhist and you saw the Dalai Lama, you'd stop and like acknowledge him. Right. And so I believe that 
my specific work is to be with the people who have been blessed or are blessing the world in a way that is very to public to the public it's very aware like they're very aware of these of these people and i i didn't have to be a cnn reporter i didn't have to be a jimmy kimmel a jay leno a david letterman to have their time with me and that's where i find that i'm an ordinary human that's in the best rooms in the world that gets to ask the questions i i was not somebody who was the wealth class that got made so much money that they could pay to be have a ticket to sit next to that person i got in there using my talent and maybe the grace of god and maybe some of the manifestations because like there's no way that everybody's allowed to be with these people so i was like i want to be with those people right you claimed it you declared it and you worked with a skill set that got you there what's next for you like what's this do you are you open to sharing your next big dream or the next I think I'm my next big dream. Like, you know, I want, I, I've been documenting so many people for so long. We had this conversation last time I spoke to you that I'd like to tell a little bit of my story. The things that I've learned along the way, maybe the moments that I had with some of these fascinating humans and, and what came of them. And also every, like, so, you know, when people say, when people say like, what is your five-year plan? What is your two-year plan? All that stuff. My plans are to be healthier soulfully, physically, in my mind, my heart. I'm getting closer to a spiritual place, which is really great at this early time in my life. I feel, you know, that I, I, I start to really ground and that the work is in flow. Like it's not going to stop. Like right now I'm working on a project with the Herendorf Family Foundation, the Oprah Winfrey Foundation to create content for their foundations for these fascinating young humans who've gotten university scholarships by both Cassandra Cohen and Oprah Winfrey to, and I'm documenting them right now. So I'm going to their, I'm going to their, their, their Ivy League schools across the U.S. and I'm spending a day with them. I'm documenting them. That's a fascinating project. But you're the fascinating project right now because you're going to be writing a book. I am. Yeah. I'm working Are you going to do right video now. on you? Are you going to turn the camera on you? You know, I, I get so awkwardly scared about that. And I used to host TV, but I thought, oh, it's easier to ask somebody else a question because I, I do a little have that little bit of the imposter syndrome to be like, am I not that interesting? Oh, and then somebody be like, oh, there goes Sharad again talking about himself. I'm like, well, I mean, like, what else do you want me to do? So I think writing would be easier. And then I've, I've launched, as we mentioned, the Human Biography Podcast, which is me again interviewing people. But I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the camera and, you know, I've got my headphones on. I'm doing that. But it's also showing a bit of myself in there. I definitely am my next project for sure in a lot of ways. I, I am doing a really cool project, uh, which I can talk about. I'm doing a documentary with a gentleman named Alfonso Reddick, who's better known as Big Church, who is uh, Floyd Mayweather and Snoop Dogg's uh, former bodyguard. And oh, uh, he is he is an amazing man. I love him. He's a friend. I met him in Vegas. He lives in Vegas. And I'm telling the story about him. You know, not just the people that he works with, you know, so maybe okay, like, sort you, of meet him in Vegas? you need to tell us how did you meet him in Vegas? How did because there there oh, may be some wow. insight clues. I'll tell you, it's a great story. My wife and I, Nisha, who's also a fascinating director and speaker. She's the co-founder of Women of Wonder, which um, you two should definitely talk about that. So that's cool. But, yeah, I um, didn't get to chat with her much. So yes. Absolutely. You will. You will. So I was in Vegas with Nisha speaking at this conference for like three or four days. And usually when I go to Vegas, 
or niche. Like we go to Vegas, we're having a great time. We're out there. But we were so tired every day. We were just speaking and then we would get this conference. So every night we'd be in bed by like nine o'clock in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, so we're like, okay, tomorrow night we'll go. Tomorrow night we'll go. And then tomorrow night never happened. So then it was the last day and there was a party. And so we were going to leave the next day. So I said, why don't we go to the party? So we did. And we got dressed up and we thought, let's, let's have fun. We were dancing, whatever. And then Nisha goes to me, look at, look at that man walking through the crowd. He's like bigger than everybody. He's like super tall. And I, without hesitation, I looked over and I looked back at Nisha and I'm like, I smiled and I go, that's big church. Do you recognize them then? So you already knew. I, I wouldn't have recognized I, I'm not, something, something that, uh, you know, maybe not, not a lot of people know and people who know me know. I am a huge follower of popular culture. Like you ask me things that are going on in the world. I know from politics to, like, because it's my world. Like, you know, I'm, I'm meeting the people who are doing it. Plus I'm researching it. Plus I'm interested, right? I'm very highly interested. So I'm, I'm on. So I happen to know who Big Church, I started following him on social media in 2016, like way back when. Oh <laughs> yeah, something. So you so recognize anyways, him. I recognize him. And she's like, well, what does that mean, Big Church? I go, I go that's his nickname. I go, and she goes, how do you know that? I go, I follow him on social media. And she goes, well, what is he known for? Why would you follow him? I go, because he is uh, Floyd Mayweather's bodyguard. That's how I knew him. He was Floyd Mayweather's bodyguard. Floyd Mayweather is this bigger than life, amazing boxer that, you know, I kind of like. Yeah, I know that with. name. Yeah. And he is already a guy that probably doesn't need a bodyguard, but he's got the biggest bodyguards, like presence around him. Seven foot one or and something is, is is Alfonso for sure. So he's the biggest guy. And I could send you pictures, you'd be like, wow. So anyway, so Nisha's like says to me, Well, why would he be here at this conference? Right. And I was like, I don't know. And she's like, No, it can't be him. And I just beeline. I start walking towards him across this massive party. And he's sitting down and I'm standing up. We must have been at the same height, right? Because he's a big man. And I have this uh inner conscious that feels I'm an empath, right? So I just leaned in and I touched his chest, like, like heart to heart. And I said, are you big church? And he looked at me and he goes, and he sort of smiled a little bit confused. He goes, yeah, I am. He goes, how do you know me? I go, well, I follow you on social media. And he goes, oh, well, that's cool. He goes, where are you from? I go, I'm from, I'm from Canada. And he's like, oh, you're from Canada? They know me up in Canada? I'm like, yeah, do you want a picture with me? And by that time, Nisha's walking up going, oh, you know this guy, like what's going on? So he took a picture of me. And in that process, I posted that picture on social media and my stories on my Instagram. And we started following each other. And I was already following him, but he started following me. And then we started conversing through our DMs. We were DMing each other saying, hey, you know, really nice to meet you, blah, blah. blah. And then he's like, what do you do? And I was like, well, I, I make documentaries. And then I go, has ever, anyone ever documented you? And he's like, oh, I don't, I don't know, no. And, and the, then I got, I goes, can I call you? I'm like, sure. So we started talking and he got more interested in my work because he saw some of the people I document. And I was like, and, and he's like, well, why would you want to document me? Like if you're, I was like, because you're an incredible human. You must have so many stories that I could find fascinating. And I think everybody would. And I would just want to know about you actually. Like, why do you do what you do? Like, how did this become your life? Right. And he was like all about it. And so we, ch we chatted for about a year. And last November, after a year after, I landed in Vegas with my team. I met his family, met his father, met his partner, met his uh, daughter, and I interviewed them all. And we started this process. And for the next year, we'll be, I mean, forever long, I'll be documenting him and turning this into a really fascinating project that I'm funding and producing myself for now. 
And it's just like another thing that I'm doing. But again, it's, it's it landed in my lap and it's fascinating. There's there's some other cool ones that came out of where we met as well at Summit. But uh, Oh, you I'm met doing. some cool people in Summit? Oh, yeah. We, I can't talk about all the projects that I'm doing there, but uh, you were wondering, look at where, like, we're doing a project right now. This is a project you and I are doing together and having this conversation, you know, like, and there's more. I have already have ideas for you and I, but really, I, I mean, that's just, you know, when you're aligned with somebody, it's not like we're going to do one thing together. We are doing just, just having each other in each other's lives. It's like, it's like, there's a reason that we are around each other. There's a reason that we are appearing for each other and we're having this conversation. Yeah. It's important. What I love about what you're just saying about that is I want to remind everyone around the power of curiosity. Each step you're taking is this idea of curiosity and openness to whatever will come, whether that's someone you're meeting in Vegas or you just stepping up and saying, hey, I know who you are, but being curious to get to know them being curious to why you're running into somebody and why you feel an affinity. And that curiosity is leading you down a really beautiful road because you are genuinely curious about people and you're genuine. And I think it's because you're genuinely curious about yourself and it's a powerful journey that you're on. And it's, it's really cool that we're getting to like learn from you because we get to learn from the filaments of the journey of who you're interviewing and the filaments of the journey of you and how you got there and I, I don't know, I feel like there's this something around your growth, your heart centeredness, your curiosity, obviously you learned a skill that is serving who you're being around. But I, I would imagine it could be any skill if you had those other threads of love, curiosity, self-growth. Love, amour. Yeah. Like I, I'm not like as a, as a masculine, uh, as a man, I'm not afraid of love and I'm not afraid of being vulnerable and expressing that because that is the only way that I got to where I am, right? And and the only way I'm going to thrive with my own stories if I believe that for myself, that I am loved, that I love myself, that there, and you know, it's like, it's almost like cliche now. Everyone says, oh, you just got to love yourself. Well, if everyone is saying it and everyone is believing it and there's actually factual things that are going on in your body and your DNA and your synapses of like what is happening when people are actually feeling comfortable with loving themselves and okay, being okay with themselves, you know, there is magic that happens there. The word magic when I was a kid was a trick, right? It was a trick. Magic is real. Like it's, it's, it's not a trick. The, if you, if you redefine what magic is, it's how we are living. And then by the things that we are doing and creating, like there is so much magic that is going on in my manifestation that is so constant and so much in flow that I don't know how to live anywhere. Like, I don't know how to live any anywhere else or how, or like, or in any other realm, but living in that magic and manifestation. I'm in it. It's my whole world. It's my bubble. Like, I walk around. Like, it's funny because when I remember the last time I worked for anybody was 2008. So I've been creating since then. And it's been a beautiful journey. Like, you know, as a creative to make a great living, to, to enjoy you're living in this really interesting bubble because when you see people walking to work or doing something that is like, I got to go now because I got to go back to, I was like, well, I'm in it all day. Like, I'm not like, I don't have to go back to anything. I'm in it all day. It's my life. In it. And I'm, I'm feeling like, you know, that is the biggest gift that I ever gave to myself is to be self-sustaining, creative in love. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I went a little longer on this podcast, but there was so many nuggets that I loved. I just feel like you summed it up so beautiful. 
this is the power. The power lies in the love and this idea of being in it like that. You'd made a choice to be in it always, to be in the bubble of magic, to operate through love. And it is leading you on a really beautiful journey. And I'm super curious. I'm here for the show with my popcorn, my drinks for what is next, (laughs) because I love it. Like I always want to tell people that manifesting, we get to do it. We have this ability to magic. We have this ability to manifest, but none of it really matters. So free ourselves from this idea that we are more than, or we are worthy. We do these things because you're already worthy. You could, it doesn't matter. You just get to do it. So why not do it? I love you. Thank you for being on. Thanks for being on this show. And when you get your book done, I'm sure we're going to be talking more and probably throughout a lot of times. So we'll bring you back on. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.